Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Go Blue with Stu. Today we're switching up a little bit. We got the Big Ten Championship game in Indy, Michigan versus Iowa. Nobody's going to care about Michigan basketball this week, even though we're a Michigan basketball podcast. And today we are welcomed by none other than Jake Butt. Jake, Jake, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, man. I mean, I, we love Juwan Howard. We love Michigan basketball. If you're a fan of Mason Blue, you love all the sports. But we're doing something here on the football side of things that we, I mean, we did this weekend that we hadn't done in a decade. We're now in the Big Ten Championship, something we haven't done in, even longer than that. So um, excited to get to it. Yeah, no, it's going to be very exciting. Uh, there's there's a lot to talk about with basketball, but too much to talk about with football. I want to start off with asking, are you coming into India? I saw you trolling the Ohio State fans. Are you coming in for the game? Yeah, I'm coming in. So we, we uh, was actually able to secure a hotel room. Uh, nice. I you know, got the tickets. We're ready to we're ready to roll in. I'm going to drive down Friday and spend the weekend there. Can't miss this one. Man, I was yeah. looking at like section 600 all the way to the top. Nosebleeds for sure. And it was like 350. And I'm like, I don't even know if I have the Michigan connections to get me a ticket. But I feel like you on the football side, it might be a little easier for you. Yeah, I think we got got it locked down. So I'm pumped, man. I I would literally pay whatever to come see this game, man. Just everything it means. And, and, you know, you even go back to the beginning of the season when you could talk about Coach Harbaugh. And, you know, people wanted him gone after last season. They wanted him gone in the middle of the season last season. You know, I think our over and under win total was set at like seven and a half. No one gave us a chance. You know, we were unranked going into the season. Even when we were winning, people were doubting us. They wanted, you know, Harbaugh gone. They wanted the quarterback gone. Up until literally the final snap of last game, there was doubt by a lot of people. So it's really cool to see um, all that hard work come to fruition. Yeah, I'll toot my own horn here. I was asked on another podcast football predictions and I was like everyone's doubting them I feel like this is a year it's just like stars are going to align they're going to prove a lot of haters wrong yeah and it's worked out so far but I wanted to ask you in that line of of playing for Harbaugh and you played for Brady Hoke for two years and then Harbaugh came in you know what, what was that first year like what did you see from Harbaugh that could you know lead to this moment so this is this is kind of Coach Harbaugh's mo, and I think his what he's best at is taking a broken culture in a broken organization and flipping them and getting them competitive again. He did it at Stanford, he did it in the 49ers, came to Michigan, did the same thing. We'll get to it later, but you know the one thing we wanted to see him do was you know finally take that last step, you know, and 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 do the things that they said he couldn't do, um, and he finally did that you know this past weekend, but. You know, you come in and we were my first two years under Hope. We were seven and six, five and seven. Hope got fired because we missed a bowl game. It's just you have way too many resources in today's world to be missing bowl games and, and having five wins at a university like Michigan. So it was unacceptable. Change needed to happen. Coach Harbaugh comes in. And, you know, I remember the first team meeting when Hope was there. We used to sing when Hope would walk in the room. We'd cheer like, oh, you know, like, hey, we'd all, you know, have like a good, jolly, fun time. Before the meeting starts, you know, everybody's sitting there like looking around, don't know, like, hey, we're probably not going to chair, right? Or like whatever. And Colonel Minnick, which was like Harbaugh's like assistant, one of his really good lifelong friends comes walking into the room and he goes, you know, he's like, hey, coach is about to come in here, guys. It's like, I know you, you know, used to cheer and have fun when you walk into the meeting. He's like, yeah, he's like, none of that shit anymore. We're cutting that out. Um, you know, just sit there and be quiet and listen to coach. And we're all like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, we walk in the room and we're all like sitting up straight. He walks in and like the very first thing he's like getting to talking he's, and he's immediately just ball and ball and like, hey, here's what we're going to do. This is what we need to do. And he looks up and he sees this kid, you know, I'm not going to, I don't, not going to name the name, but uh, some dude was wearing a headband, like a little, like a, a, a headband. And he's, and he like does a double take. He's like, 
are you wearing a, are you wearing a headband? And like, everybody's like, whoa, you know, he's like, why are you wearing a head? Take that off. Take that headband off. He's like, you know what? Like a headband, that's a joke. We're going to take ourselves seriously here. We're like, we're going to start, we're, we're focused on winning football games only. And like immediately the tone was set that, you know, there's no more, there's no more laughing and smiling until you win. And guess what? We're going to do the work necessary. You go to that first spring ball. The maximum time you're allowed is four hours in the building. So we would just take that whole four hours in practice. And not only that, we split the team into two. We had an A team and a B team. So the B team would go out for two hours by themselves. Then the A team would come out and overlap for two hours. And the A team would stay out for two hours by themselves. So if you were a coach, you were out there for six hours. And that allowed you to get literally the maximum amount of reps as possible. He's like, we got to get better at football. And you know, the thing about that is you quickly find out everyone talks about how good they want to be or how much they want to win. Come that hour three mark of practice, you find out who's actually about it and who really just wants to talk. You know, right. come that hour three mark, there's dudes that are tapping out. And then there's warriors that are like, hey, man, I want to play. And, Har and Harbaugh said it to us then is like, hey, we don't need 60 guys. We're looking for 22 dudes we can count on. That's it. And like the message was extremely clear from the jump of, you know, what the expectation was. And immediately you see the shift and, you know, start off with back to back 10 win season. I think, you know, that, that's what that's what he's really known for is is really straightening a culture out. Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of Beeline taking over and changing the culture. And we went through similar things with that. And I remember a story with, uh, you know, Darius Morris was our point guard and he showed up in leggings one day. Coach Beeline is like, what the hell are you wearing? He's like, leggings, like it keeps my legs warm. He's like, uh, we don't wear leggings. And then, you know, five, six years later, everyone's wearing leggings. But it's like, it's, it's those types of things. Earn it. Yeah. Er, prove, prove to me that you're not a clown. Right. Five and seven. Listen, I can say it. I was part of that team. We were, we were clowns, dude. We're five, I'm sitting, on, I felt like a clown sitting there on Christmas. I'm, I'm at home for Christmas. I'm not supposed to be at home for Christmas. I'm supposed to be playing for a bowl game. Yeah, I'm like a damn clown. Like, no, I'm not going to wear a headband in the meeting. I'm going to I'm going to sit up straight. I'm going to fight for the front row. I'm going to take notes on things that I've taken. Even if I even if I could teach the play, I'm going to retake notes 100 times over because I haven't earned the right to relax. You know, right. and, and up until this past weekend. Yeah, I don't even want to go there, but like at least you can you can celebrate a little bit. You can't necessarily yeah. relax. You finally win, but you, you can finally celebrate a little bit. So. Um, I love it, man. That's that's a testament of a good coach is they have like an unwavering standard and they don't give a shit if you're a five star or a two star. They're going to play the best players. If you meet the standard. Good. We want you on our team. If you don't find another place. Yeah, no, for sure. Take me inside that locker room, though, with the, that massive culture change. Was there a lot of divide in the locker room? Was there a lot of leadership from, you know, the, the senior guys that needed to take over, like that, that is not easy thing to do to go through. No, it, it, there really wasn't a lot of divide. And, and, and the thing was, is, you know, we had a lot of talent and we had a lot and we knew we had a lot of talent. Yeah. We were just pissed off. We're like, why are we not winning? Like we, we, you look at my freshman year team, when we played Ohio state that, that year, I think we had something like 55 players between the both of us on NFL rosters, our whole line NFL rosters. Both right. our tight ends, NFL rosters, two of our receivers, NFL, backs, NFL, defense, NFL everywhere. Same with Ohio State, of course. It's, it wasn't for a lack of talent or a lack of trying. At some point, you're like, man, is it our scheme? Is it our process? What is it? Harbaugh comes in and he implements this process and guys were ready for it. I'll tell you this one thing is 
my first two years, our, our problem was our offense. We actually had a stout defense. Our offense would get our ass handed to us consistently in practice. And we would just sit there and like, like be like, I mean, they'd call the play and we'd line up and the defense would just be like, Oh, it's a, it's power, right. It's power, right. Yeah. And it would be power, right. And we'd be like, well, what are we supposed to, you know, what are we supposed to do? And the linebackers are shooting gaps early. The, the safeties are filling holes. You have no chance. Harbaugh comes in and he's going to actually hire top-notch assistants, NFL coaches all over the place. Right. Um, top-notch scheme. So you go out there and we're doing shifts. We're doing motions. We have punches and counter punches. So it keeps the defense on their heels. At least we then have the advantage. So like guys started to learn pretty quick because the defense would, they'd kick our ass one day. And then the next day, the offense would come back and actually be able to respond. And it was this like competition where like a rising tide raises all ships truly. So, um, you know, very quickly we realized like, hey, man, yeah, this is going to be hard work. But if we just do what coach says, like we're at least going to, you know, we're going to win a lot of games. You know, yeah, it's not going to be easy, but it was easy when it, it was easy, you know, a year ago. And we went five and seven. We're, we're willing to do the work if, you know, if, if we see results from it. And ultimately, I think that's what we did see. Right. It makes sense. Now this year's team, it's like, all right, they got a lot of running talent, their offensive line. I mean, what was it like 200 untouched yards or something? Yeah. So like, you know, they're going to run the ball. Like, what are you seeing from them that can make that happen? Cause it's, it yeah. seems wild when you see it on paper. Well, it starts with coaching coach Moore, uh, Jay Harbaugh, my, my tight end coach, um, Josh Gaddis, you know, to have five, it's an offensive line is made up from five individuals. They're individual people, but there's no success unless all five guys play as one collective unit. Mm -hmm. You know, one bad block can, it doesn't matter if four guys have a great block, one bad block can ruin your play. One missed assignment can ruin your play. And coach Harbaugh, we're not, we're not a traditional offensive scheme where like you're basically just asked to like cover up the offensive lineman and like, you know, you're just running motions and, and um, you know, kind of air raid offense it's kind of a pro style offense where there's shifts, there's motions, there's checks at the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, you're, you're asked to do, you know, highly intelligent things. So for a coach to be able to take this complex formula and break it down on a basic level and kind of feed it to these, these college athletes where college athletes is another element, as you know, is you don't, it's not a professional where you have eight hours of meetings every single day, you have class, you have study hall, you have this like finite amount of time. So it's even that much more of a challenge as a coach to be able to break that down, chew it up and, and feed it to the players in a way that they can digest it. So um, the key stat, like you said, 4.6 yards per carry before contact for Hassan Haskins last week. Like he's almost getting five yards before he's even getting touched. You're going to beat a lot of teams with that kind of success, but it starts with the O-line, the physicality that they played, um, you know, from a Buckeye perspective is it's hard as a defense to keep going out there. It's snowing. Like it's cold and you're just continually getting your ass blown off the ball. You're getting, you know, the double teams are just moving you back. At some point you do, I think you feel a little bit helpless and you, you feel abandoned out there, maybe by your scheme or by your preparation that week that like, Hey, whatever we're calling just isn't good enough. And that's a dangerous place to be as a team. I think at some point, you know, you kind of saw the will of the Buckeye defense broken. Um, and it's yeah. a great feeling for us. It's a yeah. great feeling. It's something we haven't done. I don't even, even when we won in 2011, I wouldn't say we did it. Um, but, you know, their will was essentially broken. Um, and then, you know, at, at some point too is, you know, the O-line is creating these holes. And then you have backs like Hassan Haskins, where even if you're the first person to touch him, he never, he always falls forward. 
you know, I remember watching like Emmett Smith growing up, you know, I grew up in Columbus as a Buckeye fan, you're watching like, you know, Emmett Smith. And like the thing that my dad would always point out about Emmett Smith is he may not always make the first guy miss, but he's always falling forward. So at the point of contact, he's falling forward. You're six foot tall. That's another two yards every play that adds up throughout the game. Hassan always falls forward and most always makes the first guy miss. Um, and that's just demoralizing as a defense too, is that you just feel you have no answer. So um, it was, a, everyone really stepped up. Gaddis called a great game. You can't just line up and just run it up the middle um, and everybody expects it. But if you're going to run the ball consistently, you have to show multiple looks out of multiple formations, some jet sweep motions. You saw some reverses, some counters. You saw gap scheme, inside zone, outside zone. Um, so you saw a little bit of everything and it kept the Buckeye defense on their toes. Um, and then ultimately, you know, they executed from their, their scheme and their technique standpoint that really gave us a huge advantage. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to get into some more of last week's game and this week's game, but you touched on a, a point that I wanted to get to was that Harbaugh has been on the hot seat. I've been through that apparently with Beeline, uh, you know, my junior year, I had no idea because in the middle of it, it's like, yeah, this guy has the process, he's disciplined. He's got the culture built. Like you just got to give him time. So like how annoying is it to hear, you know, people calling for Harbaugh's head when you know that he is a process guy and that college football is ridiculously difficult. Like you can win one game and it doesn't, you know, your season's lost. And right. it's just a very extremely difficult thing to do. It's very different from basketball. So how is that to like hear for Harbaugh's head to be called all the time in the past, you know, probably, you know, a couple of years, maybe even more. I don't even know. I mean, it's frustrating, but it comes with the territory is you, you have to understand and Harbaugh understands it too, because he takes it in stride. Um, he, he, you know, he heard all the criticism. I know he does um, as a competitor. Of course you do, but he continued to chip away and continued to trust his process and made necessary changes. Hiring coach McDonald, we were the most improved defense this year by points per game. And you see how that benefited against an explosive Ohio state offense this weekend. Um, you know, making critical hires and trusting people to continue to do their job by not abandoning ship in other places. Um, you know, it is frustrating, but we are the University of Michigan. As you know, it's like we demand excellence yep. and rightfully so. I don't ever want to lose that in like, say, yeah, man, you know, last season wasn't good enough. It, it frankly wasn't. But trust me, Coach Harbaugh knows that. Ward knows that. All the players in the locker room, they knew that. Um, but you can't make an emotional decision at that point. If you're going to fire a guy, I think people have to think about it like this. It's not just firing somebody. You better be damn sure you're going to hire a clear improvement in that position too. Right. There's not very many coaches that are better than, than Jim Harbaugh um, and that want to win and, and, and build a culture like Coach Harbaugh. Um, he's, he's really the ultimate Michigan man, and you're finally seeing that come to fruition. And another thing I think about it, it's just not black and white. Sports, there's no such thing as like a generality in sports. There's so many moving pieces that you yep. can't just say like, this is the final answer. Michigan is not Alabama. We're not Ohio State. We have academic standards. I know for a fact there has been multiple top recruits that we can't, we, were not, we couldn't bring into the University of Michigan because uh -huh. of the academic standard. They, they, would, they, would, they would not have lasted. Like it's, this is not Alabama where they can just create majors on the fly, you know? Not, I'm not even, and I'm not even knocking it, you know? No, Frank, yeah. Listen, a lot of these guys that are coming to college, this is a stepping stone to the NFL. Okay. They're not going to be the CEO of a fortune 500 country company. They're trying to make it to the NFL. This is their dream come true. They're looking at this as a, you know, a, a minor league for their ultimate dream. All right. 
if you do, you know, weather the storm at Michigan, your opportunities are endless just because of the power of our network and the education. But, you know, there's a recruiting standard here similar to, you know, Stanford, Northwestern, Notre Dame, some of these schools where there's certain guys that you just, they, they, they can't meet the academic standard. And, um, you know, another thing is you look at Michigan is, um, and I grew up in Columbus, so I always think about this too, is what, one thing that Columbus has going on is they are Buckeye football there's no there's no pro sports team I mean you got the blue jackets there's it's a but it's not a hockey city it's Ohio State football not even basketball that city lives and dies by Ohio State football okay in a sense the Ohio State brand does need the Buckeye football to to continue you know that that's what drives their marketing Michigan is a worldwide brand regardless of our athletic department yes we are one of the successful athletic departments in the country but Right there as an academic institution, there's leverage over your athletic department um, because, I mean, I, I think we have like a multi-billion dollar endowment. They do not need our athletic program, you know, right. as great as it is and as much as I love it, it's just the truth of the matter. So, um, you know, for a guy to have success at this university, understand it's not as easy as it is at some other schools. You know, you have to do it the right way, the clean way. Um, and your hands may be tied in some situations when it comes to recruiting. So, um, again, there's no such thing as a generality. And with all that being said, it's just more credit to Coach Harbaugh. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you are, like you said, very familiar with the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry. Grew up in it. You grew up Ohio State fan. I heard you had it in your basement. Uh, you know, all the, all, all the Ohio State stuff. And then you switched, your whole family switched to Michigan. Um, how was this past weekend's game with everything you went through, especially in 2016, the tough loss and the tough loss to Iowa? You know, what did that feel like when when Michigan, you know, took the victory last week? Well, let's start with this is I'm currently in my basement. So if anyone ever wondered, you see you see what we got going on right now. Right. Yeah. We're, we're decked out in Michigan. And, and that is my mom's one of 16. My dad's one of eight. Jeez. About 95 percent of those people are diehard Michigan fans now. So. Us butts, the butt army, we stick together. Um, in, in regards to this last weekend, it was, you know, it, it's it's not for me, and it's not even about me. It's about Coach Harbaugh and the players. But for me personally, it, it's like, I, dude, I grew up a kid in Columbus, Ohio. They didn't want me. Um, you know, I came to Michigan with no offer from Ohio State. I was extremely skinny. I was four stars. No one gave me a chance. Um, you know, maybe I'd be a nice player for him at some point. I worked my way up to starting as a freshman. I tear my ACL. I bounce back. I play, you know, my sophomore year, six months post-surgery. I end up like I played all four years and was a contributing factor at the university for all four years. And, and, you know, you look at a body of work and, you know, there's no substitute for time. How close I got with, you know, the university here and the community of Ann Arbor and Michigan fans worldwide, like I never could have dreamed it. Like to this day, man, just interacting with fans on social media, um, you know, fans just reaching out to me or recognizing me at the games or it's like it's it doesn't even make any sense to me still. So, yeah, like I remember when we were five and seven, my sophomore year, I went into my tight end coach's office, Coach Farino, and we were just getting our ass beat by way lesser teams and it didn't make sense. And I was I literally just started bawling, crying. And I'm like, I remember looking him in the eyes like this, this block M that I wear on my chest. It means so much to me like this means so much to me what can we do? Like, I wasn't even, I wasn't complaining, nothing. I'm like, what can we do to win? Like, that's all that matters. I, I don't care. Like what, 
I, I was coming back from my ACL. I wasn't playing as much. I was like, I don't care if I re-injure this thing. Like, play me. If that's what you think the best, if that's what's going to help our offense, play me. Drain the tank. I don't care. I just want to see us win. And, like, you know, I, you go back to my bowl game my senior year. Like, you know, I was, I've been reflecting a lot now that I've, you know, I'm out of the league. Like, that mm -hmm. moment really changed my life. It's crazy. Like I, I never really got my career off the ground in the NFL and you could definitely point to the bowl game as like that exact pivotal moment, but I wouldn't change it for the world because I like, it's a university. Yeah. But like, I feel like this is family and I love it so much. And um, my time here was so important and it all just kind of came to fruition, man. Is like last weekend, the snow's falling in the stadium, the implications of the game, um, you know, still being close with Coach Harbaugh and, and seeing what he's had to fight through and overcome and knowing a lot of these tight ends too, I've been able to get close with them this year. Like, you know, I, I when that little fight broke out in the end zone and, you know, there was they had to stop the game for a little bit and there's just like this buzz in the stadium. Like, oh, like what's going on? Everybody's waiting to see. The refs are talking. The whole Michigan team runs over to, to right where I was sitting. I was sitting with the recruits behind the bench. Aiden rips off his helmet. They're like pumping up the crowd. Like I, I literally just started tearing up. Like that is the game of football. It's so much passion and emotion. You sacrifice so much just for the opportunity to do something special. Yeah. And then when you execute, it's just that much more special. And, you know, rushing down on the field, seeing guys just, you know, grown men, tough warriors, like beasts, beasts of human beings, like crying, you know, how much that meant to them, man. And, and you just, as an alumni now I'm removed from it it's just a small, small part of it, but it's, it's a small part we haven't had in a long time. And it was so, so damn cool to, um, you know, see that and, you know, be there live in person to experience it. Now I'm, I'm a little older than you. I've in my journey of uh, dealing with the upsets in college. Uh, I've, you know, in the last few years, been able to uh, push away the replays, the bad replays, you know, especially the NCAA tournament, like, did that bring back some stuff? Are you still doing some replays of like that Ohio State game in 2016, your senior year? Or are you kind of like, I'll move past it. I'm in a good place with everything. You can't help but see it in social media nowadays. I mean, well, of course. It, of course. And, and it was, it kind of defined Coach Harbaugh's career up to this moment. So you mm -hmm. see it left and right. Um, it does, it stings. It'll probably always sting. I would have loved to, you know, I, I was similar to Aiden Hudson where like I could have left after my junior year and maybe been a, you know, top draft pick. And I came back because I wanted to, you know, there was so many goals I had, you know, there was individual goals of like breaking some records and, you know, winning the Mackey. And, you know, I, I saw this, the very small list of two time all Americans in Michigan football history. And I had an opportunity to just, you know, put my name down there. Yeah. But more important than any of that is I wanted to win a big 10 championship and beat Ohio state. And like that, 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 those were goals that stood completely, completely alone. And like you fall short of it and it, 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 it stings. But as you mature, it's like, man, like, I, again, like my life isn't defined by how good I was at football. It was never it's never defined by one single win or loss. Um, it's just kind of you ebb and flow, you know, maybe in a parallel universe somewhere we won that game, you know, or like, you know, it's just funny how that works is um, it was such an important moment at the time. But, you know, here I am like you know, life, life goes on, man. And there's winners and losers. Sometimes you're on the right side. Sometimes, sometimes you're on the wrong side. Um, and this weekend as somebody that bleeds maize and blue, we collectively were on the right side. So I'll just take that one and, and, and say that that's the most important one. Yeah, no, for sure. What do you, what are you seeing for this, this week's game? What are you seeing 
schematically, you know, I, I couldn't dissect a football game if you paid me a million dollars. Like, what do you see in that Michigan needs to do and the things that they need to stop Iowa from doing? So the, the, to understand this week, you have to understand the entire year where a, a switch had been flipped going all the way back to January. When you talk mm-hmm. to the players, like they, they tell they told me like, as soon as the season was over, they met and they're like, that wasn't good enough last year. Like that is not good enough. That is not the brand of football. Uh, my time, we never emphasized Ohio State. We, I mean, up until the week, like there was no Ohio State period. There was no emphasis on them in the lifts. It was just, we're going to do our thing and just try to be the best football team as possible. The rest would take care of it. They emphasized Ohio State every single day leading up to this week. Hmm. So there's like this, as you know, in sports, it's like there's this huge emotional upswing. Yeah. And then it happens. And that's great. But come Sunday, the game's over. Like there's also this massive, you're brought back down to earth and now you're down here. Great. It is great. But can you flip the switch? Can you bring the, can you reset your goals to say, hey, we got Iowa this week. Like the job's not finished. The job isn't finished. Like if you don't win the Big Ten championship, it seems like it would all be for nothing at this point. And right. frankly, we, we are a better team than Iowa, but that unfortunately that, that's just not the way football works. You still have to play the game and win the game. What gives me confidence is, and what's gave me confidence all season is our leadership. You hear a guy like Cade McNamara and his comments after the game, he's been a rock all year long. People are like, ah, he's not the most talented, or I think he's pretty damn talented. And I think he's had a lot of success and played really well, but more so than that, he's he's a leader and he's the foundation of our offense. And as a quarterback, probably the foundation of the team, you could argue Aiden was there, but he said similar comments. They both said, this is probably the best moment in their career. This was one of the happiest they've been waking up on Sunday. But the truth is, is they're going to come in on Monday. They're going to watch the film. They're going to dissect it. They're going to not pat themselves on the back. They're going to see where they could be better, try to emphasize the things that they did well. And then come Tuesday, it's Iowa week because this is the one that matters. Now, a team like Iowa, when you look at them, you know, it's Kirk Ferentz. I haven't watched a lot of Iowa football, just minuscule. I've, I've learned a little bit about them, but you just know who Kirk Ferentz is. He doesn't really waver from, you know, right. standard deviation. They're going to run the ball. They're going to emphasize the run and they're kind of like a triple off option offense in a sense where like, they'll get you into like, you know, they're averaging like three, four yards of carry and it'll be like third and one third and two, and they'll run the ball again. And it'll just barely get the first down. And then they'll do that again and just barely get the first down. Each time they're letting the play clock tick down. And like, before you know it, they've ran like an 11 play eight minute drive and your offense is sitting on the sideline, like freezing cold and bored as shit, you know? So like, you have to you have to understand the opponent. So the keys to this victory are getting them, forcing them to be a passing football team, get them into third, third and long situations, as many as you can of three and outs or only allowing one first down, stop them from trying to control the time of possession to control the game, turn them into a passing team. And then, you know, on the reverse side, we're a run first team. We're not an, you know, we're not, I wouldn't call us an explosive pass team, though we can pass the ball. Um, you know, can we can we have our own success for running the ball and our own success controlling the clock? Um, you know, that seems to be the recipe for success. You know, back, switching back to Iowa's offense is they have one of the worst pass protections in the country. They've given up a lot of QB pressures and a lot of QB sacks, and they have not seen a guy like Aiden Hutchinson or David Ajabo coming off the edge. So if you can get them third and long, that's when your pass rushers come off the edge. And if they're that poor in pass protection, not only are you looking for sacks, but you know, in a game like this, in the magnitude like this, turnovers, can you get the strip sack, give your offense advantageous field position? We did a much better job this week 
seven points, not three points when you have the opportunity. Three points don't cut it in these big games. Um, so if you can get a big lead against Iowa, they're not necessarily built to come from behind. Um, so so those, are, those are going to be the keys to victory. But again, Iowa is uniquely built to you really don't want to let them hang around. You really don't want to let them have a lot of success early. Yeah. Uh, once they get momentum, like, you know, it can get it can get deep in there. And, and you want to try to shut this one out early because ultimately we are you know a lot more talented than them um, and should win this game. Yeah, no, it seems like that, it, which is the scariest, I think, thing of all. Where it's like, yeah. don't get comfortable. But the comments I've heard, the things I've read from players, and just knowing in the back of your mind that if you lose this game, the Ohio State fan, the whole fandom is going to be like, see, you're not on our level. Like, you can't, yeah. you can't do it. So I feel like that is still the Ohio State motivation still going to be there yeah. throughout the entire week and even going into the college football playoffs. So, you know, God willing that they get there and, and complete the job. But, uh, you know, in, in a general sense, I, I – know nothing like I said before about football and this multiple QB now it's not granted it's not a 50-50 split but I, I always kind of you know not to use a pun in your name but up against the sort of shared role a little bit what do you see that makes it work and and from an offensive player standpoint as a tight end you know experiencing that like having other quarterbacks come in you know how does that affect flow can it be successful you know how, what is that sort of mindset so again, it goes to like generalities don't work. Gener generally, I don't like it. I'm not for it. I think it's really hard. And it's, it's more so hard on the guy that's coming in the game sparingly like JJ. Yeah. Um, you're just standing there on the sideline. You have no anticipation. And then all of a sudden they're like, all right, JJ, get in there. Typically in these situations is JJ probably has five to 10 plays, like a small like bucket of plays. You see him doing a lot of read option. Um, you know, a lot of unique plays that fit his specific skill set. So he's practiced them a bunch, but it's still hard to ask you like, hey, you warmed up 30 minutes ago pregame and now you've been standing on the sideline for the past, you know, 45 to an hour. We need you to go in there for three plays and then come back out. Maybe we'll put you in in the second half. It's a lot to ask of somebody. And it's a lot to ask of a guy like Cade, who really has been having a lot of success operating our offense. Um, but again, generalities don't work it speaks on both of these dudes mindset and their mentality and both of them, they care about winning. Yeah. There is no ego. If there's ego between any of them, this doesn't work. There is no ego. And because there's no ego, that's why you, they're such great leaders. So um, it, it's, it's tough to do. It's tough to execute. Um, but for the most part this season, when it has been called upon um, it's, you know, we've seen success with it. And another piece of this is, you know, in today's day and age, you have the transfer portal. JJ is a five-star quarterback. He is the future of our program. Right. Um, you know, Cade's going to come back probably next year. Um, there'll be another, I'm sure there'll be a competition. As Harbaugh said, the job is only rented. It's never officially bought. You're, you're just trying to, you know, fight for that role next week, but you do have to balance that a little bit and, you know, at least give JJ a chance. Like, hey, man, like we're giving you a chance to come in there. And, and so far, so good on JJ's standpoint, um, you know, in the sparing, the little small pockets that he's been called upon, um, he has had success. Um, and, and last week, you know, he came up in a big way in, the, in all the plays that he was called on. Yeah, no, it, it makes sense. It's going to be very interesting next year. But, you know, that, that is far from now. It's, uh, it's very different from basketball. I'm trying to make parallels, but it's so much there's so many moving parts in football and you're fighting so much like even if you know there's no ego there and you want to win like no. you know hey when that season's over they're thinking next year like okay am I going to be starting quarterback and it's a very interesting it's a very delicate line you have to toe and it's been impressive to see uh 
when teams can do it and this Michigan team being able to do it. I would think a good basketball analogy would be is if you have one guy that's like a 96% free throw shooter in, in practice and everyone, you know, it comes to the late game, he doesn't play. He's maybe number 14 or 15 on your roster and he's just lights out at free throws. Do you bring him in at the end of the game to, to shoot the free throws or right. do you look your guys that have been in the flow of the game that are more veteran and experienced? Do you let them roll with it? Like that's kind of a similar debate is, do you let do you just trust your guys that are going, or do you maybe have this specialized guy come in and try to hit the two free throws? Um, well, who knows? It, it's there is no generality. It's it's you're kind of guessing at that point. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. For sure, and Michigan Michigan basketball is definitely finding their identity with that. They're playing. I think they played eleven guys a few games ago, and like Beeline, we like to keep a tight seven man rotation. Really, it was like six, you know, five and yeah. a half, six, and so yeah. you like to try and find that and find that identity. Um, so it's it is. Impressive to see when you can do that, that balancing act. Certainly. Um, I wanted to ask you a little more fun questions before we get out of here. With the NIL stuff and your last name, I mean, that's got to be a big missed opportunity. <laughs> Damn, man. It, oh, it, it absolutely is. I'm like, dude, think about it. And, it. and it's really, you know who it was? It's the little kids. The little kids that oh, think yeah. the word butt is the funniest thing in the world to these guys. Like, they're yeah. just cracking up, you know? So, like... Uh, my roommate, Jared Wangler, has a NIL company where he's, you know, funding a lot of these guys and finding them deals. And a lot of these are Jersey t-shirts with your name on the back. I would have made a damn killing, man. We would have been in like, uh, I don't know, I would have been in like Dubai or something by now. I, I wouldn't be sitting in my basement, but I'm just happy. I'm really just happy. Um, there's no bitterness. It's just something that makes all too much sense. Someone was making money off, off of our image and likeness at some point. Yeah just give us a piece of it, you know? Yeah. And, and the, the big trick is, is the balance of, as you know, I was talking to Eric all the other day and he was explaining to me all the stuff he's got to juggle. You got, you know, lifting in the morning, then you go to class, then you have treatment, then you have meetings, then you have practice immediately to more treating, then you have study, study hall. That doesn't include your girlfriend or your friends or your family, but yeah. then now you got to squeeze in these signings and these public appearances. It's, it's a hell of a lot to juggle but, you know, for most guys, and, you know, I'm a very good example of this, my best time to monetize my name was at the University of Michigan. Right. Uh, you know, come to the league, I, I didn't really have that opportunity, um, you know, for injuries or for whatever. But the biggest brand I built was at the University of Michigan, and I wasn't able to monetize any of that. So um, for a lot of these guys, that's going to be the case. The NFL is a whole different beast um, to make a name for yourself there. It's, it's a lot harder. Um, and a lot more competitive. So I'm just happy some of these guys are making this money. A lot of them, it'll be the most money and the easiest money they'll ever make in all their life. So I'm yeah. glad it worked out. Yeah, no, definitely. It is very good to see and better late than never. That is for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm interested, you talked about Jim, Bar Jim Harbaugh's intensity and how you really appreciated it coming in. Were there ever, was there like a, a story that you can point to or like a moment you're like, okay, maybe that was a little too intense for me right there where you're like, why did I looking at him where he is just that intense where you just, you know, he's, he's on a different level. All right. So, I mean, there's a lot and, and a lot of them are just like, you have to be there. Cause it's mm -hmm. just, he just, he just, it, there's nothing that's like inorganic. It's just naturally just from right from his brain and out his mouth. And you're just yep. like, what are you serious? And you're like, yeah, he's dead serious. Um, there was a couple of times, one time we were in a special teams meeting and, um, you know, he, he's, he sits down by himself, you know, kind of off to the side in the team meeting room and somebody didn't block good enough. And there's like this little podium in the front of the room 
And our special teams coach, John Baxter, has, has this big, like, pencil, this, like, supersized pencil that he, like, loved and would always use to point. And, like, he's like, we need better blocking on this. And, like, you know, didn't really emphasize it enough in Harbaugh's point of view. Harbaugh gets up there, chewing his mouth, spits in his Diet Coke can. He's looking up at us. He's getting all fired up. Like, you need to block. He just, as he gets going, he's just getting more and more and more fired up before finally he just shows us what he's looking for. And he punches the podium and it goes flying across the room, crashing into the pencil. The pencil snaps in half. The podium falls down. Papers go all over the place. Oh, he just sits down like as if yeah. sits down and like the meeting goes on as if nothing happened. Another one that was absolutely hilarious. So you, if you, I'm sure Michigan fans know this. Harbaugh loves steak and glasses of milk. Like he'll go to the chop house in Ann Arbor and order a steak and then he'll ask for a glass of milk and they didn't, they actually didn't serve milk. So they went, <laughs> they sent somebody in the back to like go buy milk from the CVS and bring it back. So he was able to get a glass of whole milk. Loves steak, loves red meat and beef and bacon um, and, you know, hates milk or loves milk. Hates chicken, doesn't like chicken. Okay. He calls it the nervous bird. So <laughs> we had a, we had a, uh, we had a nutritionist at the time, uh, Sarah Snyder, and she was talking about, actually, it might, it might have been Fergus Conley, but whatever it was, it was our nutritionist. And they, you know, the previous night we had this meeting on nutrition and we were supposed to fill up half of our plate with protein, half of, or, uh, you know, another third of it with um, vegetables and like a small portion of it with like starchy carbs or something like that. That was the way we were going to have success. So for breakfast the next day, this nutritionist loves grilled chicken. He's like, you should just eat grilled chicken and broccoli for every single meal and you'll mm -hmm. perform at your best. That's all you need. So Harbaugh's like, we're, we're out at breakfast. We're all sitting there in the, um, in the training table. And we're, you know, there's a group of us, eight of us sitting down at the table and the, the nutritionist was sitting down with us. And, um, you know, somebody had chicken on their plate and Harbaugh's going through the line. He's looking, you see him like, you know, he's like looking at the chicken. He's like, chicken. He like comes over and like looks at the nutritionist. He's like, chicken for breakfast and like we're all like everyone's sitting there it's coach harbaugh at this point like you're not really it's coach harbaugh everyone's sitting up straight he's like he's yeah. like i'll tell you what i want you to do a study he's like i want you to see if there's a correlation it's like you know we see mental health issues increasing and chicken consumption's increasing he's like i want you to see if there's any correlation between chicken consumption and mental health mental health illnesses and we're all like what he's like yeah chicken he's like it's a nervous bird don't eat chicken he's like, i don't want chicken get it out of there so the next day we didn't have chicken for breakfast um, because it is the nervous bird and we were supposed to eat bacon and beef and drink whole milk. So that's the way he does it. Never, never saw the results of the study, but um, it is true. We did not have chicken for breakfast the next day. That is funny. I, I imagine him like getting triple bypass surgery when he's older and he's still like, no, I'm eating my bacon. <laughs> exactly. Talking about like, this is what I do. Uh, exactly before yeah. we get you out of here i wanted to ask you about your next steps your nfl career is done and you have an interest in broadcasting is that correct yeah yeah broadcasting um you know I, it's it's definitely I, I find myself doing it anyways when i watch the yeah. game i'm like you know I'm, my fiance yeah. natalie it's like she, her football knowledge has just drastically increased since i've been tired and, and i'm like rewinding it like you see that right there and i think there's a need you see a guy like tony romo who um you know yeah. fans see the end result but there's real value in providing the why and you have to really be in tune with, you know, as the play is going on, immediately be able to see that and like, you know, put it in a digestible way for fans to understand the why of why big plays happen. Um, there's great value in that. And, you know, I'm not a quarterback, 
but tight end you could argue is the closest position to a quarterback where extension of the o-line so i know all the offensive linemen's blocking schemes right i know the pass protections we're also wide receivers so i know all the route schemes um for me i loved getting the ball thrown to me so i would just learn the quarterback's reads um not not as well as the quarterbacks but i would know generally what coverage where the ball should go um and and kind of study the game like that i also grew up playing outside linebacker most of my offers coming out of high school were four outside linebacker. Hmm. Um, so I, I have a good knowledge for defense. So um, I'm doing a podcast with Isaiah Hole. Um, today is going to be like the, the kind of the next level where we're, we're incorporating a little bit of game film. And, you know, I was able to draw some lines on there and show the fans, um, you know, the why of what happened and, and show you why Michigan had such success last weekend. Yes, we were able to run the ball, but what does that actually look like? So it's a, it's a cool podcast coming out later. And then, um, you know, kind of another thing is, um, you know, through my injuries and my health, like I just kept getting injured in the NFL and I like, why I'd never been hurt in my life. I, I was trying to figure out why. So I'm getting all this blood work done. I'm getting a number of tests done um, and found out I had like Lyme disease. I had two different types of mold. Inflammation was through the roof. Hormones huh. were out of whack. Like I was, the doctor's like, yeah, this has probably been going on for a while. And it was probably just a ticking time bomb. So he wanted to put me on all those types of medication. Um, but they were going to have a bunch of side effects and I couldn't do it while I was playing. So he's like, why don't you go, you know, there was a performance center um, called the resilience code in Denver. And in that performance center, there was a, you know, uh, infrared saunas, mm -hmm. uh, hyperbaric chambers, neurofeedback and IVs. And the only thing I change is I would go to these infrared saunas three, four times a week. And a traditional sauna heats the air around you and, just, and you start sweating. Infrared, like the light literally penetrates your cell. And it's, it's almost like, you know, in the, in the training room, they shine lasers on your body and the yep. light is providing healing. The infrared is the same way. Um, and it, it was one of the biggest benefits I changed in my entire life. Um, after I did that for about nine months, I was the only tight end that didn't miss a single practice, all of training camp. And I would go at, in, in our break in between practice and meetings, I would go every day immediately from practice to go hit the infrared sauna. And it is like, it is my cheat code. So, um, one thing we're doing here with Jared Wangler, um, he's building out this name, image, and likeness center, um, where people will be able to interact with their athletes. There's a gym in there doing private training and, uh, I'll be investing in on, um, you know, the health side of this trying to get people to really be proactive about their health, which kind of fulfills a need with everything going on with the pandemic is yeah. allow giving people a uh, space to use an infrared sauna affordably. We'll handle all the maintenance. You just come in, sweat, get in, get out. They're a little bit, they're a little bit expensive to provide up front and also having some hyperbaric chambers, which are huge for wound healing, injury healing, late stage disease as you age um, and neurofeedback, which has a wide range of benefits. You know, essentially it's like meditation on steroids. So, um, you know, for me, it's, it's an opportunity to kind of give back to the community that I love so much here in Ann Arbor and do something that I, I currently in my basement have my infrared sauna that I use every day um, and kind of put my money where my mouth is and, and try to let people be a little bit more proactive about their health yeah. you know, at an affordable rate and um, see if that can really make some significant changes in people's lives. So those are the main things. Broadcasting, absolute passion of mine, helping people also a passion of mine yeah no i one of my lifelong dreams is to have an infrared sauna so i'm gonna have to hit you up here in a few years and get your guy get some type of connect and because i really want one i've heard great things about it but where can people is this a new podcast where can people find it what's it called um so it's called there's an x's and o's podcast i retweeted if you guys follow me on twitter i believe my my twitter handle is jake but tight end 
Uh, my Instagram hit handle is, I'm pulling it up right now, is jbooty80. So you'll see Jake Butt, T-E-T-E, -T -E, standing for tight end. That's my Twitter handle. You can catch all my podcasts on there. Um, and there's a really good one this week. If I'm sure you can't get enough of the Ohio State-Michigan content. This one, yeah. we're diving deep into the why. And we're also going to touch on Aiden Hutchinson, 15 pressures last weekend. How was he able to do it? We'll help break it down for you guys in real time um, to show you how. So I'm pretty excited about this one if, if people want to tune into it. Yeah, no, very cool. I'm sure fans will eat that up and have been eating it up. It's things that, you know, we need to uh, educate the, the, the fandoms, sports fandom a little more. It, it always helps. It's always nice to see when people know what they're talking about. But uh, Jake, man, I really appreciate it. This was awesome. It was super cool to get a little switch up and get some football talk. So right. I appreciate you taking the time and uh, maybe I'll see you around downtown Indy because I live here and I'm, I'm going to be my first time taking in the Big Ten championship atmosphere. So it should be pretty Wait. Great. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thanks for having me. I may, I may come down there Friday night. Uh, most of the guys are coming down Saturday, so we're, we're going to have to play that by ear. But if it's Friday night and I'm out, uh, maybe hit you up and we can, you know, meet in person. So appreciate you having me on though. I forget. It's always fun talking about the win. So I, I could do yeah. this all day. Um, yeah. It's really fun to talk to you about this. And um, Juwan Howard, basketball program's in good hands too. Looks like, you know, Jim Harbaugh, looks like we found our coach in, in football as well. I think people are finally seeing that. So athletic program ward manual it all starts with him we're in very good right. yeah very good well i appreciate it man and uh yeah good, good luck with everything i'm from the example you said with this podcast i mean you you will be great in anything you do and in broadcasting it seems like it could be definitely in your future so if those opportunities pop up uh you know it'll be fun to watch you take a hold of them all right thanks man go blue go blue